I think we have a tendency just as humans to really like limit the scope of what we think is possible. Dare to find your own way. If I'm choosing between not rocking the boat and like trying to avoid confrontation and just tiptoeing around versus speaking my truth as best as I can and giving the other person the opportunity to also speak their truth as best as they can in the moment, I will always choose the latter. It's kind of like learning a new language. Welcome back to another episode of Oh Hi Self, which hopefully by now has become your go-to library and home and place of entertainment for all things personal development, lifestyle design, and, you know, just general humans being awesomeness. Um, I'm your host. I'm Sandra Possing. I'm a speaker, an entrepreneur, digital nomad, and uh, a coach also, kind of my main thing. And today I have a very special episode for you. It's not a solo episode. It's a guest episode, but the guest that I'm bringing you today is um, a little different. It's not just, you know, a colleague or an expert. Uh, We're getting real personal. I am bringing you my husband, my partner in life and I was going to say crime, but no crimes involved, um, partner in mischief and adventure. And I'm bringing him on for a lot of different reasons many of which um, are just because he's rad and I love him. And I want to, like, I've been talking about him and alluding to him, but I want to actually introduce you to him so you can, you know, hear his voice and hear his story and get a little glimpse inside um, this magical creature that is Christopher. Um, But I also really wanted to bring him on here today because I want to dig into the topic of relationships, which is something that is a you know, kind of like a kind of a big part of our lives as humans, um, but also something that is a huge part of our personal development as humans and our, you know, things that we can work on. And it's also one of the areas where most of us fuck it up really badly. And I think we all have a lot to learn from each other on this topic. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming my man's Chris Esquivel. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Wow. I am super honored to be a guest on your show. What a wonderful intro, too. I feel like maybe you can just follow me around and introduce me to everybody like that all the time. I just call you my mans. I think that I think today is maybe the first time I've ever called you my mans, but I'm going with it. Okay, so some of the listeners know some things about you, but probably most of them don't know most things. So why don't we start today off by sharing with them whatever you feel you would like for them to know. Let me start by asking the question, just who are you as a human? All right. Uh, thank you for just laying up the softball questions to start, you know, sneaky, deep conversa- or, uh, question, who are you as a human? Okay. I will uh, avoid the trap of saying what I do or where I'm from, and I'm going to try to give the most concise, most authentic to its core, who I am as a human. So I would say that I am a sensitive and intuitive feeling type person with a lot of bro energy. Uh, I think I basically spent most of my life up until more recently not really knowing that I was sensitive or feeling. Um, And even if I did know that, I I probably wouldn't have like identified that way or allowed myself to identify that way. Um, I'm a student, love to learn, love gathering knowledge of all types and in all forms, whether that's uh, devouring 
podcasts like this extremely excellent one I am currently on or uh, books, experiencing things firsthand is very, very important to me. So um, I really do feel like there's kind of like nothing out there I wouldn't (laughs) try at least once. Um, So maybe that could be a fun game. We can come up with something outrageous that I would actually say no to. Uh, Although I've been a coach for over a decade of some kind or another, I really like to think of myself more as like a teacher educator these days. I really like to take the knowledge that I acquire and like distill it down, repackage it, and then distribute it to whoever will listen in hopes that it will resonate and that people can actually apply it to their lives. Um, and I think that's kind of like the basic gist of it. I don't know. What am I, what am I um, missing? I would say just as someone who has had the joy and pleasure of witnessing you on your journey, one thing that stands out to me and always has is that you are a very natural leader. You are someone who you don't need to like walk into a room and take charge, but you walk into a room and people sort of naturally like look to you. You sort of command like a natural authority where you're just competent and confident and you kind of know what you want and you're really good at rallying the humans around you and mobilizing them and getting them to do stuff. So that works really well in our social groups. You tend to be the person organizing trips and events and things and logistics. And uh, yeah, you're just someone who I think people feel safe with and they get inspired by and motivated by. Like you walk into a room and you light up the room because you lead with joy and you are someone who's like just you're stoked on your passions and you're following your passions. And that is it's really infectious and fun to be around. Thank you for that reflection. That feels um, that feels accurate, and hopefully, it's not like stroking the ego too much to say that I do identify as a leader. Um, and I think that part of that is like my just love of cre- creating spaces, like whether it's like physical spaces or energetic spaces, like experiences for people that tend to incorporate a lot of the things that I really love. So I kind of feel like my secret sauce is like combining my love of movement and food and music and teaching and then like creating a a container for that to then have people experience it. So that's sort of like, yeah, more of the practical application of how I like to use the things that I identify with. And then kind of like, yeah, I think think of my mission as like kind of on this planet to, to like, be a little bit mischievous, kind of play around with the game of life where you just really get to invent all the rules and then hopefully help people and like have some fun along the way. <laughs> so simple, but yeah, that that feels really true. Can confirm. Tis true. <laughs> and that was actually the perfect segue to one of the, I, I kind of want to set the tone for this conversation, even though we're going to go deep probably into relationships in general and our relationship and who knows how uh, personal and vulnerable and um, how much of our personal life we're about to share with the internet. But I wanted to set the stage with kind of just our life and how we've built it up and how we've designed things because we've done it very intentionally, but it's also quite unconventional. And the way that you are and your mission in this life and the like fun you bring and you're just like, it's all a game and you make the rules and the playfulness and the mischievousness is a big part of what you bring into our relationship and our lifestyle. And I bring my own flavor of that. And I think that our two um, flavors combined make for a very unconventional, very kind of like fun and playful mix. So let's just start there. Like how, how would, what is your 
perspective on or take on our unconventional path that we have charted for ourselves? Yeah, great, great question. Um, I think it's probably helpful just to give a little like context, maybe just to define what we mean, maybe more by the conventional path, so as to have something to convey, compare unconventional to. So when I think of conventional path, I kind of think of just like traditional society's views of like how you live your life. And it tends to be something like, you know, you go to school, you know, up until whatever, let's say like your college age, you kind of like doing, doing the thing. And then from there, like you're entering into adulthood. And that means like you, go, you try to go to a good college which is going to get you a degree, which is going to help get you a job. And then that is your career, you know, and then you take that career and you climb the, whether, you know, the corporate ladder, maybe along the way you have a family, couple kids, um, you know, you own a house, you live in a nice neighborhood. There's just like certain things that feel like are part of the kind of standard playbook checklist of what society tells you the, the game of life is is all about. And so I think um, sort of the unconventional path is oftentimes just, it could just be, you know, one aspect of that is unconventional. I think we're unique in the sense that like, we've kind of fucked uh, a lot of the trends in each of those different categories. Um, and none of this is like to rail on the conventional path at all. Like, I think it's really important to to note that like for some people, the conventional path works really, really well. Like the conventional path has some great things. Like if you really value stability, right. Or, um, I don't know, what are some other, what are some other things that you see that the conventional path really affords yeah, stability, people? maybe some prestige. There's elements of just like predictability and, uh, maybe like settling down, buying a house, building community around you, being in a neighborhood where your kids can go to a good school and like valuing uh, academics and learning and like that. There's lo so many benefits to all those things that are, yeah. Like I think you use the word there like valuing and I think that really hits the nail on the head. You know, I think it really just comes down to you as an individual and let's say you're in a partnership, like what do you, what are your values? What are your guiding principles, you know? And for some people, those things that you mentioned, like if those are the, the guiding values, like perfect, then that is probably the path that's, that's a, the best fit for you. I think you and I just identified early on and we really kind of came together sharing some very aligned values around freedom of time and freedom of location. So certain kind of like independence. Um, and based on just those two things, it kind of like crossed off 90% of what's available out there in the sort of like traditional realm, you know, but that's what was important to us. And that was fine. So like, we just kind of had to figure out a different way. So, so for us, I think what, what falls into the unconventional category is certainly um, career for both of us, you know, um, I think we're both kind of just like, making it up as we go. Uh, another one would be uh, kids, you know, very, very controversial topic, I think. But our decision to like intentionally not have kids, I think is highly unconventional. Um, and so we can get more into that too, if you want, but anything else to add? 
Yeah, I would say um, one thing that comes to mind is we used to play this fun little game in the, when we were sort of still in the, we were like courting each other and dating, but also like had basically fallen in love and decided that we were doing this thing. But we used to play this like kind of like sassy little game where we'd be like, if, if you want to be with me, you have to blank. And one thing I remember so distinctly saying to you, I can even picture where we were and like what, what was all around us as we were saying it. But I was like, if you want to be with me, you basically have to accept the fact that like, I am career motivated. I am money motivated. Like I am, I have a business. It's in its infancy, but like, I'm going to fucking crush it. Like I'm going to do this thing. I have no idea how long it's going to take. And I will be successful and nothing can stop me basically was like what I was coming at. And I'm like, if you want to be with me, you basically have to be okay with that because I can't be with somebody who doesn't give me the space to do that, you know, and that could, and this is way back before we decided to not have kids, but we, I was like, if we were to have kids, like I would, I can tell you right now, I would not be able to be head parent. So like, if we were to have kids, you would have to be head parent essentially, or we would have to co-parent and hire lots of help. But like, I just, you know, it's like my business is my first baby and I'm out to have a big impact and blah, blah, blah. So just like we identified these values around freedom. And for me, it was like, I need to do this thing and I need space to do it. And we also were like, we, I think we both embraced the idea of just authenticity and alignment early on where I was like, I need to be able to be myself and I need to be with someone who wants to be themselves. And we need to support each other in our own growth and development. So we can like each be individuals and then also come together and, you know, have a partnership that is like more than the sum of its parts where we're not like holding each other back or bringing each other down in any way. Yeah, I mean, I think those are all really, really excellent points. Um, when I think of just another example of us being unconventional, I kind of think back to uh, our desire to like really incorporate travel and travel related, just like a travel related lifestyle as like a kind of a non-negotiable thing that we both really, really share. Um, and I kind of like compare that to the sort of traditional you know, like, yeah, maybe you take a, maybe you take a trip, you know, a big trip when you're younger, but then like, you know, you gotta, you gotta pump brakes and you gotta settle down because like, you gotta start doing the whole like responsible real life thing, you know? And like, we, 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 we totally did that. You know, we, we got married, we had this like wild idea, like, let's just start a trip and, you know, go for a year and kind of like plan it as we go. And, um, it was so magical and it really did scratch that itch for us of just like total freedom, you know, of time and, and location. And it was just so interesting to come back from that experience and see how many people, you know, were like still sort of in that didn't really recognize that, like, that wasn't just this like one-off thing for us, you know, they're just like in that paradigm of like, okay, you guys did this, like the number of people that were like, it's so great that you guys were able to like get that out of your system while you still can, right? Like when you don't have kids or you don't have, you know, certain other responsibilities or things like that. Um, and now, you know, now you can just settle down or whatever. And yeah, I just kind of like, I kind of laugh at that. Um, because to you and me, it was like, that was actually just the beginning of something, you know, sure. We haven't done, big year long trips like that. We've done a couple more extended few months here and there. But to me, that was kind of like, almost like planning our, you know, stake in the ground of like, this is something that is non negotiable that we're going to attempt to incorporate as part of the foundation of our lives, hopefully forever, you know, and so it really wasn't about 
let's do this one thing, get it out of our system. It's like, no, like let's, let's do this unconventionally. And at that time too, we weren't sure we weren't going to have kids, you know? And we weren't like, if we do have kids, that's going to be the end of that. No, again, like, again, it was going to be a, a more unconventional route, which was like, you know, the kids get to be part of our lives, whatever that looks like. Of course, there's, you know, more complexity there, but still not, not necessarily being like, oh, throw the hands up, like got to just do what everybody else is doing. And that's so much of the part of the, the freedom and having the choice and options possibility, like choosing a, a path of entrepreneurship and a path of more freedom and authenticity. It's like, being a digital nomad, for example, which I think we probably both identify as digital, digital nomads, it doesn't mean that you're always on the go. It doesn't mean you never have a home. It just means you have the option to be mobile. So there are people out there who are probably very much digital nomads and they own a house and they live there 90% of the time, you know, but they know that they have the option at any time to go somewhere if they want to. And I think that's part of like, for, for us, it was about like establishing the values and honoring the values that were most important to us. But always being allowed to like, you're allowed to change your mind. And you're like the, the kid thing. We were back and forth on the kid thing for 10 years. And we finally like, decided this year, like a couple months ago, like we're doing the not the no kids thing, you know? And like the idea of, it's funny. I was always, I always felt like allergic to the idea of settling down. Cause to me, settling down, I think settling down for a lot of people conventionally feels like the goal, you know, like, ah, I finally... I'm finally safe. I finally like found a partner. I can now just relax and settle down. And to me, settling down felt like this. It felt like limitation. It felt like almost claustrophobic. Like, like you're, you're giving up. Yeah. I was, and I'm like to, to each their own, you know, for some people, if, if your goal is to settle down, whatever that means to you, fuck yeah, go do it. But I was like, I cannot settle down. That would make me so uncomfortable. But for me, like also I I'm excited about any sort of home base that we have right now. We have a home base. We've been here for almost three years we will probably eventually buy a place. But like, to me, settling down means like feeling feeling at home and comfortable wherever I am, and always having the option and the possibility and the freedom to move around and honor who we are and honor that, like those freedoms around, or those values around freedom and authenticity. Yeah. And again, I mean, I think, you know, some people listening to this might be like, that sounds awful. And it's like, great, you know, like, it's not, we're in no way trying to say like, this is the way I think what we're attempting to relay is that um, I think we have a tendency just as humans to really like limit the scope of what we think is possible. And it isn't necessarily just in career. It, like it can be in all aspects of life, you know, and just realizing like, okay, just cause society has some sort of unwritten rule book, like that isn't necessarily the rules of the game. Like you really can, figure out how to make it up as you go. Um, and if that brings you into more alignment, like with your own values and, and your true desires, like I am all for that for everyone. Yeah. It's like, it, this isn't the way, this is our way, but what is your way? Like you do you, we do us. And like encouraging people just to find the thing that works for them and not to default to whatever it is that your parents thought you should do or your friends are doing or society tells you to do. And that's the kind of a, it's a, it's a courageous act in my mind to dare to find your own way and like chart your own path based on what you actually give a shit about and based on what's important to you and your values and what you like and your passions and what lights you up and what gets you excited versus just doing what you think you're supposed to do, which just makes me want to cry and yell and be so mad. So other, other areas of, 
unconventionality or um well one big one that stands out is like traditional gender roles which this is one that i hopefully like all my fellow feminists will like also get up in arms about but and i think that we've made progress i think we have a lot of work to do and a long way to go but it is interesting how much we still folks it is 2023 and we are still expecting the man to be the provider and the woman to stay home and cook it. I'm not saying we're all expecting that, but there is like, it's still in the, it's in the ether. Like we can feel it. And Chris and I very early on, like, you know, me with my whole like career and business and make money. Like I kind of ended up being the bread breadwinner early on. And he also happens to be an amazing chef and loves food and loves doing all that. And that's just like, not my thing. And so he kind of fell into that role and I fell into this role. And then here we are like basically in like reversed gender roles. And early on we were like, Oh, we should look at this. Because it would be really easy for me as a woman to be like, I feel really guilty and sad and bad that I'm not doing my part in the kitchen. <laughs> but then we talked about it early on. And he was like, I fucking love to cook. I love to shop. I love to plan. Like, this is my jam. Like, let me do it. And I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. You know, I will be over here doing my thing. You can do that. And we, so we started talking early on about like, well, what, 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 is the, what are the roles that you want to do at home and in our relationship and in our life? And it was so helpful to just acknowledge that like, yes, there's all these traditional gender roles and we do not have to abide by them. We can make our own rules and our own roles. Yeah. I think you brought this up already a little bit earlier, but like you just from the get go have been so driven, so motivated by your career and have big money aspirations. Like you, you want to make a huge impact in the world, you know, and for you, like you have, I just love listening to, to the way you talk about your dreams and goals and visions for your business and for your future. Um, because they're like, they're just, they're grandiose in a, in a beautiful way. Like I hope, I hope the word grandiose doesn't always have negative <laughs> kind of like, yeah. Delusional. Connotation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Delusional. Exactly. No, but like, I, I just, I find it so inspiring. And at the same time, it's like, it's something that I just personally haven't felt super connected to. Like you want to be in the spotlight. Like you want to be on stage in front of thousands of people. That's just like, that's just not my vibe. You know, I love having an impact. Like I said, like part of my purpose on this planet is to help people. But my way of doing that is I think just on a smaller scale, you know? And so to me, it's like, close knit community of friends and family and the clients that I can touch with my work through health coaching and through, you know, physical training and the, the education stuff that I do too. But, um, it's just, yeah, it's like, it's different, total different flavors, um, of the same thing. And it's, it is, it, it is a bucking of the, of the kind of traditional, way that people think about this kind of thing, you know, and I've definitely struggled um, in the past with kind of like, I would say just the ego element of like not being the provider, you know, the financial provider um, as a man in the relationship. And so uh, it's, it, yeah, it's like a constant, it takes, it takes constant work. Um, but when I get really clear and really honest and I feel in alignment, like I realize like, I'm just not driven by the same desires for career and financial success that you are. And let, setting that aside, like accepting that and setting that aside actually allows me to use my time and energy focusing on things that 
really light me up. And that then I think in turn, I can have sort of like the biggest impact that I'm intended to have on the planet. So true. And I think on the, and then I look at my role supporting that and on the flip side, and I'm like, if I were to judge myself based on traditional gender roles, I'm like, it would be really easy to feel like less than, and like, I'm like less of a human or less of a woman because I'm not like managing a household. And because I don't, I mean, I can like, I can make food happen, but like, I would say, I don't like really know how to cook. Like I don't feel comfortable doing it. I don't love it. You know? So I'm like, I'm like not enough of a woman because I don't know how to cook a good meal. And I'm like, not a real woman because I am not a mom, you know, like it'd be so easy for me to judge myself that way. But I've also just stopped doing any of that because it's nonsense and I'm just, just not helpful. And I'm like, instead I'm like, how amazing is it that I have this supportive partner who is willing to handle all that? And then we can also tag team some of it, but also how good does it feel that I can just re- release myself of and relieve myself of those like pressures and expectations when like, they're just not, you know, and I, and I reserve the right to change my mind about anyone or anything, anytime. <laughs> I don't keep saying that, but like, and I might, you know, I am enjoying learning how to cook a little bit, but like, that's like a future me goal. Cause it's not a priority right now. And like my priority is my business and my impact and all these things. And like, how cool is it that I have a container and a partnership and a supporter who's willing to handle the other stuff that he loves while I focus on the things that are so important to me right now, like this podcast. Yeah. I mean, obviously that, resonates with me because I'm I'm like on the flip side of that right like it's easy to be self-critical and you know judge myself that like I'm not being a financial provider or like just fulfilling the traditional role of the man in the family um but yeah like like we both said it's just it feels like wasted energy and it's amazing to be in a partnership that really gives us the freedom to <laughs> just follow the breadcrumbs and pursue the things that, that we love yeah. the most. And the money piece is, I'll keep this short because I get so excited to talk about money sometimes. So I could do like, you know, a, a whole, se- a whole series of episodes just about money and money mindset and money manifestation and personal finance and all that, all that. I love that shit, but it is interesting when we look at our backgrounds and how we grew up with money and how that, plays into our current like kind of money blueprint and how we feel and our beliefs and stuff. And it's like, I think Chris and I would both agree that like money is this amazing tool. It's a resource and it's like, it's, it's neutral, but we get all twisted because of our societal expectations and conditioning around money. And we get so afraid of like, you know, who am I, if I am not the provider or like, who am I, you know, if I make a bunch of money, then I'm going to turn into a greedy asshole or, you know, it's like we have all these weird things about money, but if we can just look at money as this tool and it doesn't matter who is the one making it. And if we can be honest with ourselves and with each other and be just practical and like talk about it all and communicate about it all, it just becomes this actually really fun, exciting topic that you can, yeah, just be real about. I think if we're like attempting to give a little glimpse behind the curtain and just like, hey, what is the secret sauce that like keeps our relationship going and growing? It's probably a good time to just touch on the just most fundamental foundational thing that we work on all the freaking time, which is our communication. Hail to the yes. Take it away. What, yeah. what does that even mean? What What is it? What do we need it? What What do we need to know? Communication is when you make the words come out of your mouth. But it's so hard sometimes. <laughs> you, say what you Say what you really want to say 
in an open and honest way. And then when you are on the receiving end, uh, you listen <laughs> and attempt to listen without judgment. No, I'm, I'm just like totally being facetious, but, um, yeah, I mean, there's, I think there are truth nuggets in there to me. Communication is just the basis of just the basis of every relationship that you can have in your life. And it, the, the place that I see relationships go awry the most, like it can be like some it, like very specific issue or something like that. But I almost feel like no matter what, when you pull, like peel the layers of the onion away, like it goes back to the core of like, there's, there's probably some misfiring of communication. So just, you know, one person is representing something in such a way that it's just really not landing with the other person or one person is not being totally forthright, you know, or passive aggressive. And so that, and then there builds resentment and stuff like that. So it's just, yeah, I, I think in its simplest terms, it really is just like the most open-ended permission to be honest and on the flip side of that, like attempt to listen and really like try to hear where your partner's coming from. Um, and it doesn't need to be your partner. That could be a coworker too or whatever. Um, but without like, it's just so easy to like hear what somebody's saying and then immediately start like spinning the yarn, like getting the whole narrative machinery working and begin to create a story about what it all means. And, you know, like trying to arrest that process as early as possible to really just like be, be present and try to try to. And it's so hard to do because our egos, I think just as humans, we, we, we like to be right. And if we don't feel like the other person sees us as being right, we want to convince them that they're wrong and we're right. (laughs) And there's a lot of like wanting to win and ego and all the, but at, also, as humans, we have a deep, deep, deep universal need to feel seen and to feel heard and to like be validated and to feel like we're okay. And one of the most profound gifts I think we can give to any human being that we're in any sort of relationship with in any moment is to just actually fucking listen. You know, and there's like a lot of different ways to listen and different techniques and stuff, but like literally just being present and listening. And like Chris is saying, not, you know, trying to formulate your, your witty response to their thing, but it's like, just listen and actually hear them and then do and say things that make them feel heard, which could be as simple as like nodding along, not interrupting them, not like jumping in with your defense, you know, well-formulated defense, but just like, and also literally when, when somebody's like, I don't really get, I don't know how to do that. Like that feels hard. I'm like, just say the words. I hear you. Like try to actually hear them and then say, I hear you. And I, as someone who like what definitely one of my deepest needs is to feel seen and heard. And when somebody pauses, they're looking me in the eye and they pause and they say, I hear you. And I can tell they actually mean it. It is like that. I'm like, that's all I need. I don't need anything. Like I'm good. Just you heard. I feel seen. I feel valid. Like it's so nourishing to the soul. And when we can slow down and be present and offer that to someone and like, just listen, Oh my God, it's so it's like medicine. Yeah. And sometimes resisting the urge to, to, to want to fix, you know, I mean, that's like kind of a classic to overgeneralize, but like a classic male trait is like, well, let me like fix everything for you, you know? And sometimes it's just like, sometimes, you know, people just want to be heard and they just want (laughs) 
a safe space, a safe container to to be able to say something without necessarily needing to get into like problem solving mode right away. But that right there is a perfect example of like where clear, clear communication can help so much too, because you can like, let's say you're, you're coming to me with a problem, you know, like I have an opportunity there to say like, is this something that you want to attempt to problem solve right now? Or are you just looking like for somebody to, to just listen, you know? And if I ask that and you can be honest with me, then like now we've just communicated about the thing that we're about to communicate about. And then it's like very meta, but it, it, it sets up the, the container so that like you are getting what it is that you need. And that's a very classic dynamic, at least in hetero relationships, where uh, it's a very common female need to want to just vest, vent and be heard and be seen and just talk like talk it out and have whoever's listening to you just hold space and listen and ask questions and be there for you. But then the, the, the quick thing that often men want to do is jump in and problem solve. And then it's like, it's this miscommunication. But if I can be honest, like in our dynamic and just be like, Hey, can I just vent at you for like five minutes? And I don't need solutions. I don't want advice. I don't want brainstorming. I just want to talk and I just want to have you listen. Then that makes it so much easier for him to just give me that instead of like, trying to figure out what I actually want, or he can be like, Hey, what do you actually need right now? So just the communication around asking for what you need, being willing to ask the other person what they need and not assuming, not trying to mind read and not assuming that the other person is mind reading. And it makes everything so much easier. You brought up the kind of like how simple something like just, I hear you can be. And I was wondering if maybe you could say a little bit more about just like validating someone's experience. Cause I feel like this one comes up a lot where we're kind of just like, maybe the tendency is to respond to something by saying, you know, like you shouldn't feel that way or like that's ridiculous or um, don't be silly, you know, almost like yeah, there are just different, different ways of kind of invalidating, I think someone's experience. So I'm just wondering if you could say a little bit more about the importance of that. I think one of the uh, sort of most like helpful tools to draw on is actually from the improv world, which is the idea of yes anding someone. So in the improv version, it's like you're on you're on stage and you're doing a scene with a scene partner and you do something weird, and then it's really helpful for if the other person just like go, rolls with it because otherwise the scene kind of falls apart and the audience gets uncomfortable and it's this whole thing. So it's like a te- technique they teach in improv is like you you're like yes to whatever you just said, and and then you build on it, you know, and that works really well as a communication technique when you're trying to help someone feel seen and feel heard. So if Chris comes at me with something and I think his idea is ridiculous and I think I don't agree with any of it and I think it's stupid, but like if I just immediately then try to convince him that he's wrong and I'm right, I may come out of the argument having like quote unquote one, but our connection has broken. He feels not seen and heard. I feel like what like my ego has been fed, but also not fulfilled. So there's a lot of power to just acknowledging the person, validating their experience, because whatever their experience is, whatever their emotional experience is, is theirs. And there's no right or wrong. And whatever's happening for him at the time is his. So the more I can just be like, I hear you, you don't have to agree. You don't have to condone it. You don't have to like, you don't have to anything. You just are acknowledging that you heard the words come out of their mouth and they're allowed to have that feeling and say those words. So you can be like, I hear you, which is a way of saying yes. And you're like, I hear you. I hear you. And, and then you can share your opinion. It's not like a, but you should be, you know, it's like, it's removing all of that. Like the judging, the unsolicited advice and the, the things that cause disconnection. 
Yeah. Or even in that moment saying like, would you, do you, would you mind if I shared my opinion? Cause maybe that person doesn't want to hear your opinion in that moment. Consent either. is huge. Like <laughs> I know there's a lot of conversations around consent happening in, in different social circles in our world right now, but also just like consent in a conversation. Like, like, would you be willing to hear this thing that I have to share right now? Or like, are you available for one of my favorite things is when a friend comes to me and says like, are you open to hearing some feedback? And uh, when I, like, I'm just like, I just fell in love with you. Like when somebody says that to me, I'm like, Hey, thank you for respecting that. You don't know where I'm at. And like, m- maybe I really want some feedback from you and I want to hear your honest, constructive, whatever, but I just am in a fragile state and I can't hear it right now. So I might say like, yes, I'm available for that, but not right this moment. Can we revisit that? Like tomorrow when I have calmed down and I'm not upset or whatever it is, like, asking for consent at making requests, setting boundaries, all of these things are just like simple techniques that help communicate in a more clear, clean, effective, direct way, but it's done with like kindness and respect and compassion. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I pose another hypothetical and just get your thoughts on it? What would you say um, if, okay, so like, let's take the scenario you've got, let's just use us as an example. Okay. And you have something that you really want to say to me, but like, maybe you're a little bit nervous because you're not really sure like how I'm going to take it. You know, maybe you don't want me to get angry or you don't want to hurt my feelings or something, but like, you're clearly not doing it because you're trying to like protect me or protect yourself. Um, And so you're like, you're withholding. Right. And then as a partner, I'm saying to you, like, no, 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 like, please, I need to know. I really need you to be honest. And then, okay, finally, you work up the courage to share. And the response is like even worse than you had imagined, you know? And it just really triggering to the other partner. And it kind of like confirms your initial belief that like, maybe this isn't something you should have openly shared because, and so now in the future, maybe you're more primed to actually hold things in because you're just, you're actually more worried about what the response is going to be than what the aftermath of like holding in all this, whatever it is like emotion or, you know, feeling. So what is your, I'm just curious what your take is on, on that scenario. Cause I feel like that's one I see. I see it as well in clients and friends and colleagues and just humans around us. And I think, I think there's, uh, I think there's room to give for all of us to give ourselves a lot of like grace and patience and recognize the fact that like, we're all imperfect. We're all learning. And every time you take even just two humans, let alone like, let's say a group of humans or a family or like a, I don't know, a company or a leadership team or something like everyone is a different place on their journey and you can't control or predict anyone else's response. And, you know, be awesome if we were all like super evolved, conscious human beings, all communicating lovingly with each other all the time, but that's just not the case. And you never know where somebody else kind of is on their journey. So it's like, I feel like the best that we can do in any given moment is just do the best we can do with what we have from where we are. And if I'm choosing between not rocking the boat and like trying to avoid confrontation and just tiptoeing around and trying to like smooth the things over versus speaking my truth as best as I can and giving the other person the opportunity to also speak their truth as best as they can in the moment, I will always choose the latter. Even if it's fucking messy, even if feelings get hurt, even if it causes a rift that we then have the opportunity to repair, 
But I think for anyone who's on a journey of like wanting to communicate more consciously and, and more directly and create more connection versus more separation with other human beings, then I think I, I will always err on the side of like, let's just fuck it, let's just go there. Let's do our best. Let's get messy, but let's be willing to stay and clean it up and apologize and take responsibility and like work through the things and learn from it and learn from it and learn from it. Yeah. And I think from the, from the perspective of the person that's receiving too, like, I think some people could be listening to this and think that like, we're trying to say that on the receiving side, like you're not allowed to have an opinion or like, you're not allowed to have a preference or like everything has to be okay or acceptable. And I just also don't believe that that's the case, you know, like you can totally disagree and yet you can do so in a way that is compassionate and in a way that is honest and open to, and that kind of dialogue, like that is the foundation of a, of a good relationship, right? It's not just about like, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I think it can be a little bit confusing and I think it's like a fine line, right? Of like you very much validating an individual's experience but at the same time, like just because you're validating that experience doesn't mean that you have to like totally agree with it yeah. or be on board with everything yeah. they're yeah. saying. And I think all of these, like, it doesn't matter how kind of how much conflict or confrontation happens in there. It's like, I think there's, we, I think a lot of us, especially people pleasers on <laughs> who are on a similar journey to me, it's like, we're so afraid of confrontation because we think if we push back or we, if we say something mean or aggressive or assertive to the other person, then they won't like us. And then they'll be mad at us. And then the relationship is broken forever. But like, there's so much room for us to just be willing to work through things together and stay and communicate and like, put the time and the energy into it. And then it's so worth it for the like, some of the the most like the deepest connections and the most intimacy that I've experienced with people has happened after a, a fight or a tiff or like a confrontation or a whatever, like a misunderstanding. Whereas if you're both willing to come together and discuss it, then you can work through it. And then you can come out of it with so much love and respect and understanding for the other person. But like, you kind of have to be willing to stay for some of it and like talk about it, which comes back to just yeah, communication yeah. and being willing to get uncomfortable, being willing to ask for what you need and share your opinion, but also listen and hear them and validate them and not push them away by not hearing them. Yeah. So if we, if we just make this like a little bit more personal, what, what would you say are some of the main challenges that we've had in our relationship? They could be communication or otherwise, but like I said, I kind of always feel like it tends to come back to communication ultimately. And honestly, with like 90 some percent of what I see in my clients in their relationships of all kinds, it's almost always about communication, which is why I'm like, this is so worth it to talk about it and to talk about it. it's like relationship. It's like, communication and communication about your communication in your relationships. And they get like, it's just so like many layers of meta in there. But for us, I would say specifically uh, the, the, the one that has been the most common theme and this has happened like over and over in so many different ways. And it's one that we have worked on a lot and we've gotten so much better, but it's still an issue and it still crops up because probably on both sides, it runs so deep. And that is, uh, let's see if I can like summarize it concisely. You will say something in a way that I, I assume is meant completely like innocuously, like there's no charge to it. It's just like you being you saying your thing, you know, and, and for context, Chris uh, has maybe a dry sense of humor. He can be very sarcastic. And if you watch him like with his guy friends and stuff, like it is just this like circus of like shit talking and it's amazing. And I love that for them, right? Like 
them like there's like part of his like I would say it's almost like a love language of his to be able to have a conversation with someone where it's a lot of shit talking back and forth but it's like good natured jabs and like fun and funny I basically was born without that like wire in my brain like I do not have <laughs> the the, the natural capability for that. It's, it's a language that I've had to learn, but I still feel like a clumsy beginner in that language. And so oftentimes he will say something very innocently as a joke, sarcastically, whatever. And I literally cannot pick up on the sarcasm and I do not register in my brain that it's a joke. So I hear it and then it will ping like one of my little like deepest wounds <laughs> And I will get so triggered by it, even though it was really innocent. And then my response to that trigger is I shut down, which for me, like out of like fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, I either freeze or I fawn typically. And freeze looks like I basically stop responding. I stop talking. I go inward. And then I, I pretend like everything's fine, but it's not. Fawn means I like go into people pleasing mode and I overcompensate and I try to like act like everything's super fine, but it's totally not. And Chris knows me very well. And he's really good at picking up on this these days and will like notice it happening. And then will call me out on it later. And then I almost like resist it. Like I don't even want to admit it. Cause I'm just like, what? No, I'm fine. Everything's fine. You know? And he's like, um, no, it's not like, do you want to maybe talk about your feelings? And I'm like, no, yes. What? No, maybe fine. Fuck you. What? Thank you. Okay, fine. <laughs> like, eventually we'll get to a place where we can talk about it and I can admit that I was triggered. And then he's like, like, can you just bring it up in the moment the next time? And I'm like, I would love to speak up in the moment, but I don't know how to make the words come out of my mouth yet. And so I've gotten better. I'm, I'm better at not waiting like two weeks or two days or two hours. The time has gotten shorter, but it's still really hard for me to bring it up in the moment because I go into such a, an automated, like deeply ingrained response because it triggers like some deep wounds around it. It's usually like, I think that he thinks I'm an idiot in the moment. And he's usually totally joking. Um, I mean, usually totally joking. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, honestly like, uh, yeah, no, this is really, this is not scripted folks, but I, this is very real. I, I don't know if I think that's true. I think there are definitely moments that, um, that yeah, I'm just being like sarcastic and I'm trying to be funny and it's like not landing. And yeah, that will cause like a little bit of a rift. But what I would actually say is the more fundamental problem is when I'm actually being like impatient mm. and it, so much of it comes down to like the tone, you know, I'll be like, frustrated because something that is so fucking abundantly clear to me and so obvious and like the way my brain works like it gets processed so quickly um you're just not getting and i will yeah i'll say something like it this this process happens so fast too like it's super super hard to pattern interrupt like luckily i feel like i've cultivated enough awareness now that it's like it's at least not a hundred percent of the time that this happens, but like it totally happened like two days ago. I forget the exact situation, but yeah, it's just, it's taken a really long time to like understand. And this will seem so obvious, I think to so many people that like that our brains just work very, very differently. The way we process information. Like I have a, I just have a weird brain. Like it can do certain things with numbers in my head that like most people just can't do. I don't know why. Like I was just born that way, you know, in other senses, like I have a terrible memory for certain things. Um, 
that you like you you'll remember the specific details of and i just like don't really understand you know but for the longest time i would think that the reason that you're not like getting whatever it is i'm trying to relate to you is that you're not paying attention or it doesn't matter to you or like you didn't remember because it's not important to you or something like that you know and so like i would i would be coming at you with like impatience like what this is so frustrating or like why yeah why are you taking so long is a pretty common one um, which I think really strikes at like a deep nerve for you of just like an old wound of like, you know, fear of holding people up and stuff like that. So I appreciate your your desire to like soften the blow and make me seem like a nicer guy than I really am. I really think there there is something very, very real going on there, you know? And the fact that you respond the way you do, I don't think is any mystery, but it's just taken, it's taken me so long to even realize that like the way a message is delivered, especially on someone like you who is so sensitive and so empathic, like can have a massive, massive impact. It's like so, the, it's like the words don't matter that much. The intent doesn't matter that much. The delivery is huge for me. Yeah. So when I can, it's kind of like, you know, if I'm in that reaction mode, I'm trying to, in sort of like a, just a mindful way, you know, drive like a little wedge between whatever the stimulus is and like whatever my response is going to be, you know? And so that is sort of like, I guess you could call that like the tool that I'm attempting to use and develop over time but um just to be really aware of like of impact you know of like how things are said it's not just the content of what you're saying it's like how it's being said that that can have like such a massive impact so yeah practicing that that's that's a hard one i I would say we struggle with that one and it's one that even though it's been hard and even though it's been like one of our our most kind of like chronic cycles that we get to confront, like each time we get a little bit better and it makes each of us more aware and stronger. And the great part of it is every time we kind of end up having like a debrief conversation about it, we feel, or at least I'll speak for myself. I feel closer to you. I feel like even though like the one that we had a couple days ago, we're in the car and I just like, finally spoke up about this thing that had been bothering me. And then I just like vented for like 10 minutes straight. And Chris was like, whoa. And I was like, clearly this has been building for a few days. And like, I'm sorry, I didn't bring it up sooner and blah, blah, blah. But then once we talk about it, I, it just like, it opens the floodgates for intimacy and connection. I usually have some tears about it. And then Chris ends up being really sweet about it. And then I feel like we, then we feel so much more connected and it's like, it increases the intimacy. It grows the depth of our communication and our relationship each time. So yes, it's annoying as fuck that it's the same thing and it comes up over and over, but I would say that there's a benefit on the other side and it's worth it to stick with it and work through it because then the depth and the intimacy of our connection grows more and more and more and more each time. So I have this little like side joke that, that I feel like Sandra doesn't actually ever want this to stop so that we can have like our version of a mini fight and then make up like she'll like, in my mind, she's just like, I'm going to pick like a small little fight here just so that we can make up and then feel closer. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to create a little drama so that then we can feel closer afterwards. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm not doing it on purpose, but I'm probably on some subconscious level. <laughs> I know there might be something there. Oh man. And, and, uh, to like a side note slash maybe like a whole new topic, but definitely a side note about all of this is, um, one of the things that I value so much and I'm so completely grateful for about Chris is that he is actually emotionally accessible, which is definitely, um, a challenge for a lot of men, not all men, but for a lot of men. And it's something that in previous relationships of mine, like something that I'm actually grateful to some of my former partners that I learned was that at the time, at least, you know, don't want to speak to where they are now, but at the time they were not at least as emotionally accessible as I would have needed a partner to be. And that was the reason we had to break up and move on. And that's something that I've always really valued about Chris is like, he's willing to go there. He's willing to show me his heart and talk about like basically just talking about feelings. Not everyone has the same needs around it, but some of us were more sensitive. And I would argue that most humans can benefit from it. But like the willingness to talk about our feelings is such a gateway to massive connection and intimacy and growth and vulnerability. And I think as men, it can be harder given our conditioning in our society. I'll let you speak to that, but it's something I really appreciate in you. And it's my wish for like all relationships and for all men to be able to go there because it's such a gift. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, um, my experience has been like, it's kind of like learning a, learning a new language. You know, it's like we all have emotions like all the time, you know, like there isn't a day that goes by. Like if you really, really pay attention, like it's just one after the other, you know, and they're, they're very fleeting. Oftentimes we can get stuck in like a loop. Um, and that'll be like, you know, your ability to use your brain to sort of replay a story over and over again. And that way you can like stay angry about something for much longer, but like anger just as an emotion has an extremely quick half-life. Like if you just stop replaying the story, you know, you can, you can really get your, you can realize like how, how short lived it really is. That being said, um, I would say like the, this goes hand in hand with what I was saying earlier about kind of like as a, as a younger lad, my lack of self-awareness also like came with an, a lack of, a lack of awareness of emotion. You know, it's like I was having emotions. Did I know what to call them? Like, not really, you know, I was like, I think I was like pretty good at expressing anger. Cause like I saw it, that's kind of like the safe one that, you, you know, you see a lot of men like express. Um, but I just never growing up really had any like examples of men, like male figures that were super emotionally available, like really in touch with their emotions and talked about feelings in, in a way that it was like, this is safe and this is normal and this is healthy. And honestly, like quite the opposite to be totally honest, like the narrative oftentimes was like, no, you stuff that shit down, right? Like we don't, we don't talk about this stuff. Cause that's like for pussies, you know? And it's like, that can cause, man, it's just like, I really feel for that kid. Cause that, that causes a lot of blocks. Um, and so I think I was lucky in that, you know, I started the podcast by introducing myself as like a sensitive kind of feeling type person. And it, it has taken me learning the language of feelings and emotions to really actually like recognize that, but it is something that feels innate. Um, and 
I'm not, I, I don't know. I imagine there's just varying levels of that, you know, for, for all individuals. I'm very certain that all individuals, men, women, you know, anybody out there is feeling emotions, right? It's just whether or not you can, um, you, 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 you know how to process them, you know how to label them and you know how to process them in a healthy way. Um, and learning how to do that to me has felt basically like a superpower and it has really opened up our relationship to new levels. And I, and my relationship to everybody in my life, like that's where I've probably seen the biggest change in my life and my connection to other humans is like my willingness to be vulnerable and admit like feeling shame about certain things like shame and guilt. Like these are emotions that nobody wants to look at, you know, they just get swept under the rug, but without actually like taking these things out and having a peek, like it can become really, really toxic, you know? So, um, I guess that's what I would, would say about that, but anything else to add? Yeah, you being the kind of natural leader type, the energetic type and presence that you are that we've alluded to earlier, I think, like a sensitive bro, as we've established, is really helpful. I imagine I make up that for for other men in your life who maybe want that, but don't also don't have any role models or people doing it in a way like in a way that's appealing to them in a way that they are like, I want some version of that. I think you can be an example for them and you can be a role model for them. And then it also creates, so like I've seen, I've watched your friendships with other men in our lives, like just blossom. And like they, you know, the way they respect you and they come to you, but they also can just, they feel safe talking to you in a way that maybe they don't have that many other men in their life who they can talk to or people in general. And I think it's just, it's such a beautiful quality. And it's, it's just like this glue that like, holds us together and that connects us as people. And it opens up so many opportunities for just like, yeah, like real, like connecting with people on a real level and feeling seen and heard and realizing like we all have like universal human needs and emotions. And like, we're, we all have baggage and we all have shit. And like, instead of hiding it and pretending like we're fine when we're not like, let's just, let's just talk about it. Let's just admit it. Let's just like lay it out on the table and then we can laugh about it and then we can support each other and then we can work through it. And so, yeah, I mean, talk, talking about it is is one way. That's great, like with a partner or with friends or with a therapist. Um, but it doesn't always have to just be talking, too. I think, like, kind of getting back to back to just like the practical aspects of all of these things. Like, there are other ways to process emotions in a healthy way, you know. And I'm sure, it, like, I, I think of you as someone who's super familiar with this and and who probably gives a lot of these to clients, but. Um, changing your physical state. So, you know, sometimes for me, it's like a hard workout. That isn't always the answer though. You know, it's sometimes it's uh, meditation. Sometimes it's journaling. Um, so there are like many different ways. And I think as many different tools as you can have in the tool belt to kind of like just move through whatever it is you're experiencing versus stuff it down or run away. Um, just the healthier we're, we're going to be from a mind, body, spirit perspective. Yeah. What are some of your favorite, favorite tools? I think even the one that's popping up right now is like co co-regulating with like, so which uh, I'm definitely not my lane. I'm not an expert, but like co-regulating from my understanding means you're like regulating your nervous system 
with another person. So like if I'm trying to regulate my own nervous system on my own, I might cry or take a walk or take a bubble bath or have a dance party or journal or meditate or like do something that's like a self-soothing in a healthy way for me. But if I wanted to go do it with Chris or with a friend or with a family member or something, I might be like, Hey, can you, I'm having a shitty day. Can you just hear me like sit with me, listen, hear me out. Like maybe hold my hands, like anything where we're kind of synchronizing our heartbeats can be really powerful from what I understand. Like also just, I mean, anecdotally from what I've experienced, but also like studies I see coming out and things It's like, if you are like laying with another person and you're breathing and your heart beats are starting to sink, or even like a pet, like you're snuggling with your dog or you're petting the neighborhood cats. Like I like to do, or like you're out in nature, you're putting your feet in the sand or the soil, you're laying in the grass. Like there are ways I think we can co-regulate with other humans, other animals with nature where we're like kind of energetically allowing ourselves to like balance out and express our emotions and feel our feelings and move energy so that we feel safe in our bodies so that we feel more balanced. And I always love, I always love an angry dance party. <laughs> I was or waiting a sad for one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just hear you stomping around in the other. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. I also, I do a lot of crying. I do, I do some occasional primal screaming, which I find really helpful. And yeah, it, a lot of it comes down to moving energy, which can be different for each of us. But for me, it usually means moving my body or moving my emotions through tears or sounds. It could be chanting. It could be screaming. It could be singing. It could be randomly just verbally vomiting, venting to someone who can really hold space for that consciously. It could be lots of different things. I'm wondering if, what, what do you think about going to just like a quick fire, rapid fire, popcorn, like back and forth, just shooting some questions at each other? I love this idea. We can just go back and forth, just whatever, whatever comes up and whatever feels most pertinent. But the one I want to ask you about first, because you are someone who is so passion led and you're so you light up a room and you are, it's really important to you to prioritize the things that just turn you on, get you stoked. Uh, Tell us, please, what are some of those things? What do you live for? What are you excited about? Oh, uh, all right. So Definitely number one on that list is sports and it is the playing of sports specifically. Although any of you that know me out there will know I am one to enjoy watching a sport or two as well. Uh, but yeah, really there's, there is just something about participating in an athletic endeavor for me. That is just, I, I don't even have words to describe. It really is just bliss. It's like the closest I ever feel to be to being completely in flow. And so for a long time, that was soccer, although I grew up playing basically every sport and loved it, loved basketball, baseball, never really did the football thing. Um, nowadays, the number one is golf. And... Uh, that mainly has to do with a pivot I made after like many terrible knee injuries in my past. Um, but yeah, now, now a lot of time and energy spent towards golf. So, and then fitness in all its forms. Um, I'm a total like health nerd. I love all aspects of fitness, whether it's like performance or, longevity, long-term health, food, nutrition, both the cooking of food, the eating of food, the experiencing of food, and um, even just stuff around food science. I just find it fascinating. 
So I would say those are kind of like the top few things. And it's really fun to watch you do those things. Like one of the things that crushes me the most and that makes me sad is when I see people who have passions that they're ignoring or who don't know what their passions are because they've never given themselves permission to even look. And that's some of the times that I see somebody like one of my favorite things is when a client's like, I'm so busy, I'm parenting, I'm working, but a lot of time for the shit. But then they start to just carve out like a tiny bit of space for whatever this long lost passion is or for figuring it out. And then they start doing the thing. And it's like they've plugged their themselves into like an energy source that they didn't even know was possible. And it's like they light up and suddenly they have more time and energy. And it's amazing what, how that happens. But like you are such a great example of someone who's just like, let's fucking go. Like I'm all in, you know? And I would say that, you know, people from the outside might look at us and be like, how does she, you know, let him go on all these golf trips with the guys and like spend so much time. And I'm like, let him, like, I want him to go do that because he comes home so happy. And when he comes home so happy, he is like an energy source for me. Amen. To that. All right. So same question to you. What, what lights you up the most? I feel like your listeners will probably know already. They're like, personal development and everything under that umbrella uh entrepreneurship and everything related to having business growing a business sales marketing i just i can nerd out on that all day long and yes anything related to cats anything related to dancing it used to be like swing and blues and salsa these days it's more like just anything i just want to dance the whole time so like zumba or just like late night dance party with myself or with friends crawling around on all fours in my underwear, headbanging. <laughs> Makes me so happy. Yeah, those are the top. Travel, speaking other languages, getting lost in cities I don't know. All right, you're up. How do you navigate, speaking of entrepreneurship, how do you navigate being with an entrepreneur, given specifically the ups and downs that are like inherent to entrepreneurship including like financial ones, but also emotional peaks and valleys. Just like, how do you do it? I mean, I knew what I was getting when I signed up for this shit. So <laughs> I guess my honest answer to that is it's all just part of the journey. I feel just like this sense of equanimity when like things maybe are a little rougher. And I think I sense that you're on this journey and um, you definitely have like put a lot of pressure on yourself to meet your goals and you have a desire to meet them like in a specific time frame, you know? And if I'm here as your partner, like freaking out about every up and down and just, you know, then we're like, we're just, it feels like we're getting blown around in the wind all the time, you know? And it seems to me like what is the most valuable thing for you is just to be like, be a little bit more steady, you know? And so I really attempt to just kind of like, for lack of a better term, super cliche, but like, just be a little bit of the rock, you know? And it's like, no matter what, no matter the timeline, no matter what's going on, like, I got you, we're good. It's going to be great. We've always made it work. We will always make it work. And as long as we've got us and um, like, just our, our, our basic needs, like we're going to be okay. You know? Um, also think I'm just like pretty, I'm like pretty simple. I don't have a ton of needs, you know? So it, it, yeah, there's just, I think that's it. It's kind of like you zoom out and look at the big picture and don't worry so much about the little 
blip, blips and ups and downs on the scale and you're zooming out and you're seeing that the general trajectory is heading in a direction and you choose and I choose and we both choose to just trust that it's going in the right direction. And it has, it always has, it's always worked yeah. out and it's always like moving in a cool direction. Yeah. And it really does. I mean, it just comes with the, comes with the territory. Like it brings a richness to life. We get to experience all the highs and the lows. It's not boring. We do it together. Yeah. It's certainly not boring. So in the uh, same vein, I can ask a related question. It's not entrepreneurship, but also uh, in the side of sort of like unconventional life path that we are on, how do you navigate being with someone who, who is very openly bisexual? And given that that like, I mean, I, I talk about this very openly in many contexts, I don't think anyone's surprised, but also like you being my male partner in a hetero relationship where we are married and from the outside, it would be really easy to assume like, oh, you know, they're straight, they're in a monogamous relationship. And then here's this curveball of like, I'm like flying my freak flag over here, which could mean all sorts of things. And then you are like, I talk about my side of it a lot, but I think it could be interesting to hear your perspective of it and how you navigate that and like, don't feel like threatened by it or. Yeah, sure. Great question. Um, I mean, I think it's very worth acknowledging at the outset, like that, part of the reason I don't feel threatened by it is that like, you're not out there looking for other men. So like, if I'm just being totally honest, you know, that there may feel like some kind of double standard there, but the fact that you're out, like just interested in relationships with women makes it a little bit easier. Um, I also just think the connection that you are able to create with another woman is like in no way replacing. I think that's probably why it's easier you know, then you out seeking a man. Cause like I would just compare myself to another man and it would feel like you're looking for some kind of thing that's missing or some replacement. Whereas like, I just know damn well, I am not going to be able to provide you everything you need. If you're interested in intimate relationships with women, like I'm just not a woman, you know? So, um, that's, that's one thing. The other thing I would say is just that when I, <laughs> When I signed up to be with you, it's like I signed up to be with all of you. And to me, that means like you need to maintain your independence, your autonomy. Like I need you to be the most fully expressed version of yourself for our partnership to work. Because I think like you were saying, you know, like use the golf analogy, like I go pursue a passion. I come home, I'm lit up like, well, if creating a relationship with another woman is a passion of yours. And that's important to you. Like, what am I going to do? Shut that down. And then just tell you like, sorry, that part of you, I don't really accept, you know? And like, that just makes me sad. Mm. And I think part, like a, like a subtlety there that someone on the outside might not necessarily think of right away is like, the more that you give me not only permission, but freedom and like support and encouragement to go be all of who I am and embrace my full identity and express it however I need to and fly my freak fan, like fly my freak flag, but like also in the context of like clear communication and boundaries and consent. And like, we, I'm not just like offering whatever, like we have very direct and honest conversations about everything. But the cool thing is the more you give me freedom to do that, the more I want to come back to you. You know, like people would be like, oh, yeah, you know, you're going to lose her. or She's going to go run off. And I'm like, actually, if he was preventing me from being fully who I am, 
I would have a hard time with that. But the more that you were like, go be who you are, the more I like can't wait to be with you and stay with you and like amplify our relationship. Like it makes me fall more in love with you. It makes me more attracted to you. The more that you're like, be all of who you are, be the most empowered, wild woman version of you that you are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I think even if it was something that like, I actually didn't love, you know, and, and was like not necessarily a fan of, I think I can take a step back and just recognize that like maintaining our autonomy is just such such a fundamental part of being like a fully expressed human being. And so like by, by removing that from you, like it's just a form of control. And what is that going to lead to? Like if you're feeling like I'm controlling your life, like, is that going to open you up to me? You know, is that going to open you up to me, to me emotionally? Yeah. It's just such a no brainer to me. I see the control thing is like such a, such a intimacy killer and connection killer for so many couples who are struggling too, is like, they feel like they can't live their life or do what they want to do or be who they want to be. Or like, even just like so many examples, I think, especially among among men who just like want to go out for a night with the guys and like watch sports and smoke cigars or play poker or like do whatever, you know? And it's like, but they're like, Oh, my wife won't let me. And I hear that. And I'm just like, it like breaks my heart. I'm like, well, do like you, can you, it's like, there's so much, there's so much room to talk about things and come to agreements instead of like having rules that we exert upon each other in order to control them so that we feel comfortable. And obviously it's different for every person, every couple, and everybody gets to make their own rules. But I just think there's a lot of beauty and power and playfulness and, and, and openness and like connection that can happen when we just give each other space to do what we need to do to be who we are. All right, my turn. Let's turn. see. How about for any of your listeners out there that maybe don't have a partner, but it's something mm-hmm. that they really, really want, what would be your like tips or advice on how to find said partner? Such a great question. And um, I would say my answer is, would be the same as the same question for anything that you want to go find. Um, I'll answer it specifically for a partner, but this could also be like to find your dream job or find like create your dream home or dream life or whatever. It's like, there's kind of stage one, which is like getting really clear on who you are, because I think a lot of the time we're, we're like, I think the, the, the classic kind of like narrative or, or paradigm in dating is like, I just got to go find someone because if I'm single, I have failed. Or if I'm like this age and I haven't found someone yet, I have failed. So they just like need to tick the box to make sure that they're okay. And I say that, fuck that. That's nonsense. It's just societal conditioning. So if we can like turn down the dial on that, and then first of all, focus on ourselves. Cause like before I can go figure out what I want in a partner, which is part of the process, like I need to figure out who I am. And if I'm just trying to find a partner based on like what I think I'm supposed to want based on who I think I'm supposed to be, you know, like then you're going to end up with somebody who's going to be a great fit for the identity that you've created of yourself that might not even be authentic. So number one, like who the fuck are you? So identity work. Number two, what do you actually want? And don't just like, you know, if all your friends are dating finance bros, don't just go date a finance bro because that's what everyone's doing. Like, what do you actually want? Do you want someone who's, you know, super artistic or somebody who loves to be in nature? Do you want, so it's like looking at, yes, the, the external factors, like what kind of lifestyle and hobbies and those kind of things. I think it's really interesting and helpful to, you know, come up with lists of what are you looking for and also not be attached to them. Cause you might be like, I have a list of 50 things that my future partner must, you know, comply with. And like, 
he has to be six two and have blue eyes and brown hair and work in finance. And then suddenly you meet the potential love of your life who just is slightly different than all those things. And you miss the opportunity for connection. So it's like, figure out what you want and be open to any, anything along the way. So it's like, know who you are, know what you want, and then just literally get out in the world and do stuff, take action, do the kinds of things that the kind of person who would find that person would be doing. So like, maybe don't sit at home and just complain about being single, but like maybe be out in the world, you know, meeting your friends, friends going, it doesn't just have to be apps and bars, you know, it could be like, if you love pickleball, go play pickleball. If you love hiking, go, go do hiking. If you love surfing, you know, do the things that you love anyway. And then you're likely to find other people who are also loving and doing those things but also just being willing to be out in the world and meeting people and more than anything, not trying to be who you think you need to be to to attract a mate, but more than anything, being who you actually really want to be so that you can attract somebody who wants to be with who you really are and who is the, so that you can be the kind of person that will draw them in and they can be the kind of person that draws you in. I think there's so much like magnetism that happens if we dare to be authentic. You just took the word right out of my mouth. I was just going to say that, I think there's so, yeah, it, that it's just magnetic. Like when, whenever we get in alignment like that and we go out and do stuff, like our world starts to like create itself around us, just giving us the things that we want. 100%. And if I had to resummarize everything I just said, but in a shorter, more concise way, I would say more than anything, just fall more in love with yourself and the rest will follow. You know, I think a lot of people who are like, they haven't found their person yet, or they're desperately dating and they're doing all the things they're just so like outward, but the more that you just really love who you are and you love and accept yourself and you're working on yourself and you're stoked about who you are and who you're becoming, that is so fucking attractive to be around. And as long as you're out in places where people can see that they will be drawn to you versus like this, like grasping, desperate need to find, like, I will not be complete until that energy, not helpful versus like walking into a room where you just own your shit and you're like, I'm single and that's cool. And I'm open to finding my person. But in the meantime, I love and accept whom I am. Like who wants to play? There's like 10% of me that wants to just resist the prompt. And it's almost just like a, I don't even care. Like I just want to just invest in the process and trust that wherever we go is going to be great. But I feel like you're over here, like tapping me on the shoulder being like, Hey, it's pretty hard to like get somewhere if you don't really know where you're going. So I will aim in some direction. And I will say that I hope that we just continue to be committed to both our individual growth, our growth as a partnership. And I think that can look like a lot of different things, you know? Um, I think that could look like therapy or more more um, retreats that we do together, I think would be really fun. Um, it's so funny, it, it feels like it should be so easy to answer, but what, what do you, what's your answer to that question? Um, I would ditto to all of that and I think I'm so like blessed in that I have a partner who is so willing to go to like the depths of places. And I want to really lean into that and um, take advantage of that. So I would hope that from here we can go to places that are like, I would say edgy, but in the way of like, we're willing to, we're willing to get uncomfortable. We're willing to go to the dark places. We're willing to go to the uncomfortable places and just feel like, 
you know, can we sit through this together and can we challenge ourselves and can we challenge each other? And like, like un- uncomfortable, not for the sake of uncomfortable, but uncomfortable for the sake of growth, both so that we can deepen our relationship and communication and intimacy and all those things, but also so that we can hopefully be an inspiration for other people and bring other willing humans along the way and like, just be willing for it to be messy. You know, it's so easy to want to avoid confrontation, but I feel like with you, I feel so safe. And I'm like, let's link arms and like run straight into the confrontation. Like let's run into the belly of the beast or the fire or whatever. And just like do it for the sake of growth. Where do I sign up? (laughs) On the dotted line. Let's do it. Okay. So to, um, to wrap it up, first of all, thank you, Christopher, for sharing your heart and your soul with us and going there and being willing to talk about all the things. I think that there will likely be future appearances of yours on here. Um, I know I want to share your depth of knowledge of health and wellness and your educator side of you with the people. So we'll do that in a future episode. Um, Another little quick teaser. I've been starting to talk about this more publicly, but we now have a membership option over here at Sondra Possing International. It's a lifestyle design membership. It's just starting to be out in the, in the world as a wait list. So you can get on the wait list and then you'll be the first to know when it fully opens. And it's going to be a way to be in community with other people who are stoked on growth and designing a life that you absolutely love. So I'm really excited about that. Um, if, this res- if this episode resonated with you, please share it with a friend. And uh, hopefully it was helpful. If you want to go stalk Chris, where can they do that? Uh, you can find me on Instagram. It is Stobes underscore Esquivel. So S-T-O-B-E-S underscore E-S-Q-U-I-V-E-L. Well, it should be easier to find. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you spell uh, your email wrong in a, like a customer service email? I know, recently? <laughs> seriously. Um, and yeah, I'm not the most active social media participant in the world. We have a little bit of a love-hate relationship, but I go through phases. You might see more of him through my accounts than you you will through his own, but sometimes he shares stuff. But in the end, thank you so much, Chris, for being here. Um, thank you so much for being my partner in this wild walk of life and being willing to go there and go deep and um, not just in our relationship, but also in a public forum like this. I appreciate you and I love you. Love you so much too. And thank you so much for bringing me on. Um, I know that this podcast is super important to you and it's just a beautiful, beautiful baby that you've raised. And so I would love to treat it with just tender love and care. And so I'm honored to be a guest. Thank you so much. Thanks for co-parenting this baby with me. And to all of you listeners, I love you as well. Thank you for listening, for tuning in and for all the support you offer in all of the many ways. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye.